0: in 716.
1: I'm Susan Rose.
0: I'm Brian Mazarowski Outside looking at some clouds, 25 degrees in Buffalo.
1: And big temperature drop on the way. Let's go to the National Weather Service. John Hitchcock joining us this morning. Uh, John, looks like maybe the coldest air of the season on the way.
2: Yeah, good morning, Susan and Brian. We do have quite the Arctic cold front that will arrive this evening. And that front will come through with a quick burst of pretty heavy snow. Uh, looks like that arrives just after the evening commute, so probably some uh, sometime between 6 and 8 p.m. It moves through the Niagara Frontier. So expect a quick burst of heavy snow and blowing snow this evening. And behind that Arctic front, it turns much, much colder by late night and tomorrow. So wind chill advisory is, in effect, starting uh, very late tonight, and it goes through Friday, Friday night, and into Saturday morning with wind chills as cold as 15 to 20 below at times. Ooh,
0: uh, that is cold. So when we wake up tomorrow, basically, and all the way until we fall asleep, bitterly cold air.
2: Yeah, uh, the only good news is this doesn't last very long. We're going to be cold for about a day and a half, so starting late tonight through the day tomorrow and into Saturday morning, but then it warms up pretty quickly again over the weekend.
1: All right, that is a, a big jump there. Um, wind chills, can you mention what the values could be? Yeah, as cold as 15 to 20
2: below at times, so that is, Uh, cold enough to be dangerous to be outside for an extended period of time, so you want to just dress in layers and cover all exposed skin. Now, it is going to be much, much colder in northern and eastern New York into New England, so we're not getting the worst of this batch of Arctic air.
0: Would that include, you know, around uh, 6, 7 a.m., you know, these times that we're looking at school closures and sometimes that negative 20 is like the magic number where they start to shut down school?
3: Yeah,
2: the coldest wind chills will be during the day on Friday. Uh, It looks like the best chance for minus 20 or colder is going to be in the higher terrain of the southern tier. Up here in Buffalo, we're probably in the negative teens most of the time uh, during the day Friday.
1: All right. And then next week, what does it look like for us?
2: Yeah, we warm up very quickly. Uh, Still cold Saturday morning, but by Saturday afternoon, we're back to the 20s, back to the 30s on Sunday, and even some days in the 40s next week. So this Arctic air is in and out very quickly. And then we're back to above-normal temperatures that we've seen for most of this winter.
0: All right. Well, hey, uh, here's to warmer temperatures. John, thanks so much. John Hitchcock, meteorologist over at the National Weather Service, joining us live this morning where we are chilly. 25 feels like 12 in Buffalo, but nothing compared to what it's going to be like tomorrow.
1: A Buffalo woman entered a guilty plea to a felony assault charge for running over and injuring a state trooper during a protest in June of 2020. Deanna Davis pled guilty to one count of assault yesterday afternoon, the same day that jury selection was to begin in her trial. I'm
2: happy with the result here, um, and I'm satisfied that that justice has been done You know, based upon the evidence of the
1: case. That's Erie County District Attorney John Flynn. The incident on Bailey Avenue seriously injured trooper Ronald Ensminger, whose injuries forced him to retire. Davis faces seven years in prison when sentenced in May.
0: Governor Kathy Hochul proposing dramatic spending throughout her $227 billion state budget that was released yesterday, even as she warned of tougher economic times ahead. The wide-ranging spending plan, including a public university tuition hike, a 10% jump in school aid, and a proposal to yet again revise state bail laws.
1: The record high budget of $227 billion is a 5% increase over the current budget, the proposal kicks off weeks of intense negotiations with state legislative leaders as they try to agree on a finalized budget by the April 1st deadline. WBEN's Tom Puckett is here with reaction.
3: I think we're set up for a couple real um, fights here between the governor and the legislature. Jack O'Donnell of O'Donnell & Associates on Governor Hochul's budget proposal. Criminal justice, housing, and, and giving Albany the ability to override local municipalities. She also announced that, um, changing the charter school cap um, out of New York City to allow more charters uh, to be developed. That's going to set up a big fight uh, with the teachers and the legislature. He says Western New York will benefit with major investments in mental health and child care. Republican strategist Carl Calabrese says there are important ways to keep people in New York. If you want people to stay in this state, there, I think there are three keys. One, you've got to cut taxes, including property taxes. Two, you've got to get a handle on crime. Um, and three, um, you've got to reform education. And I think the best way to do that would be to give parental choice in charter schools. Calabrese predicts changing bail reform will lead to a fight. The problem is she needs legislative approval to do that. Uh, The fact that the legislature just defeated her last week and the choice she made to be the chief judge of the state of appeals, they're probably feeling their oaths and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that battle develops and who prevails in it. There was no explicit mention of the gas appliance ban proposed in the budget announcement. You can hear from both about that online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. All right,
0: Tom, thank you. It was there in the plan, though. The governor's budget would include a measure that bans the sale of gas stoves other fuel-powered heating equipment by 2030. The provision also requires all new buildings be, quote-unquote, zero emission starting in 2028, with smaller buildings and homes required to be all-electric in 2025.
1: A federal judge denied a motion Wednesday to lift an injunction barring retail cannabis licenses in western New York and four other regions of the state. It means the wait continues for cannabis dispensaries here in western New York due to a pending lawsuit filed by a Michigan man last November. His lawsuit claims the state's rollout of licenses is unconstitutional after he was rejected from the program. It leaves the cannabis industry in limbo In western New York, the Finger Lakes, central New York, mid Hudson and brooklyn
0: the fed this week spiking interest rates yet again this time only by a small increment the
4: federal reserve raising its short-term borrowing rate by another quarter point the latest in a string of borrowing cost increases aimed at slowing the economy and easing inflation a move that risks tipping the economy into a recession the fed's decision comes just a week after a government report showed inflation slowing down in december marking six months of smaller price increases It's
0: Ike Ijachi with the report.
1: Congress is investigating the possibility that millions and millions of dollars earmarked to help those struggling during the pandemic were fraudulently awarded and misused.
4: A House committee yesterday kicked off hearings on the billions in taxpayer money, scammed from the programs that were supposed to keep businesses afloat during the pandemic. The figures? Astounding. A watchdog says the government was handing out up to $50 billion per day, but lacked the necessary vetting process and fraud protections. Nearly 70,000 Social Security numbers used to apply for funding did not match applicants' names or birth dates. Despite the fraud, supporters of the programs point out Millions of PPP loans legitimately helped people.
1: That's Andrea Fujii reporting. Former mayoral
0: candidate India Walton announced she'll be running for a seat on the Buffalo Common Council in 2023, looking to become the next Mastin District representative. That position currently held by Ulysses Wingo. If Walton is elected, she would become the first Buffalo Common Council woman since 2014.
1: And today is Groundhog Day. 30 years later
4: every single day since 1993 what day is this it's february 2nd groundhog day the bill murray comedy classic celebrating 30 years excuse me where's everybody going to gobbler's knob it's groundhog day And while all that
0: repeated attention didn't necessarily put Gobbler's Knob on the map, they've been celebrating Groundhog Day
4: there since 1887, the movie did boost tourism. Gobbler's Knob going from 5,000 to 35,000 visitors each February 2nd.
1: That movie never gets old. It was released after Groundhog Day, February 17th of 1993, and was shot mostly in Woodstock, Illinois.
2: Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Partly sunny and windy today with temperatures in the low 30s this afternoon. Snow and blowing snow tonight as temperatures tumble. Overnight lows in the single digits. Strong winds and cold temperatures on Friday. We hold in the single digits with wind chills well below zero under mostly cloudy skies with a few flurries. We're back in the 20s on Saturday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aramon Minkowski.
1: Dan Nevereth Jr., Erie County's Emergency Services Commissioner, is with us this morning on WBEN. In the aftermath of the blizzard, Erie County wants to implement a new alert system for winter storms. You know, Dan, with 47 people losing their lives in that awful storm, what does the county want to do differently?
3: Well, I think after we uh, sat down uh, and uh, analyzed some of the different things uh, that we can do moving forward, uh, it's a it's a rather complex picture of of things. But uh, some of the things we thought is maybe the message didn't get out to certain populations. So what we're focusing on now is a way to better deliver that, and it's it's actually it's a it's a basket full of things that. That we can potentially look at to activate in the event of a storm. So um, one of the things is the the IPAWS system, which is a combination of a number of alerting systems. Where it essentially, depending on how much you craft that message to and where you want it to go, can can actually impact a lot of uh, a lot of the communities. Everything from uh, cell phones to um, obviously radio stations, television stations, and others to push uh, specifically crafted messages.
0: How much authority does the county have to do that? I've always wondered, you know, you get these messages, whether it's an Amber Alert, some sort of push notification sent to your phone without you, you know, subscribing to a certain app or or really doing anything. How much uh, authority does the county have to utilize a system like that?
3: Well, I think that's part of the process that we're going to be working through with regards to how much we want to utilize it and how many times we want to utilize it. Um, as I said, uh, you know, in, in, in other interviews, we want to make sure that we're crafting the appropriate message, that we're, we're not overusing it, but more importantly also that we're, we're not underusing that. So I think to answer your question, the, the county uh, has the authority to be able to issue that uh, within the jurisdiction of the county. Uh, there are other municipalities that have the ability, as long as they have the people that are certified by the state and by the feds, to be able to issue those alerts. So it really goes jurisdiction by jurisdiction uh, a small town or village can't obviously issue uh, an alert that's going to be impacting an entire region or an entire state so its it's a it's a process it's monitored. Um, there are certain people on my staff that will be capable that are currently capable of, of issuing them, but again it's based on the acknowledgement of the of the uh, elected official within that community as well as the main emergency manager in the case of the county myself to approve that message to be crafted
1: Dan is there a certain threshold where you would do this i mean i'm just wondering if there's a danger of overdoing it
3: well and that's that's my primary concern too with regards because as we know whether whether uh, to today with emails with with other types of of notifications, um, there's an oversaturation, and a lot of times uh, people just tend to ignore it, even though it's critical information may be embedded within that that message itself. It just becomes in some cases because of overuse uh, and annoyance. but what we want what we want to do is we want to make sure that we actually have uh, a matrix, an algorithm that that takes into account not only historical data. But also we can focus on, on, you know, what is the impact. So we have we have a situation where we're going to have extremely cold temperatures or wind chills or, um, you know, a combination of the last blizzard where you had so many different factors that that you could take a look at. You had extremely cold. You had you had uh, uh, blizzard-like conditions. You had uh, also part of the mix needs to be utilities. What's the impact on critical infrastructure? So it's not just as simple as saying, hey, we've got a snowstorm coming. We're going to be pushing out a message. There really needs to be a refinement of that. And that's, that's what my department, as well as other departments working in conjunction with other agencies, um, have been tasked with to be able to come up with that. And, and I agree with you, Susan. My, my primary worry is this is a very powerful tool especially IPAWS and, and the reach of that. And I don't want to see something coming up that, that is truly impactful, but it was overused by things that, uh, you know, for lack of better terminology, are, are things that Buffalo faces and Western New York faces on a regular basis.
0: So when we hear that the county is looking at, you know, a, a, almost like a hurricane-type rating system, for winter storms, we shouldn't expect that to mean that every Category 1 snowfall, you know, results in a push notification to everybody's phone?
3: That would be my expectation, absolutely, is that is that we, we have a, a means, a matrix, as I said, an algorithm where we, we look at what, what are the factors that impact western New York versus what would truly impact if you were down in Charlotte or if you happen to be out in Los Angeles. I think that you have to take into impact what what is the uh, the, the the bread and butter weather events and other uh, things that can potentially happen in your area. Uh, an all hazards approach to that, and then w- who do we truly need to reach, and how do we go best about doing that? So, you know, whether it happens to be IPAWS, which we, we use we, we we use acronyms all the time, and and people maybe don't understand, but uh, IPAWS is the integrated public alert and warning system, which can tap into any number of things, including the emergency alert system, uh, commercial mobiles, so your cell phones, um, uh, there's internet services, of course, weather radio um, and radio and television stations. So, you know you can you could do that you can carve out small sections if it was a hazardous material incident that you need to get information out as quickly as possible and you you need to interrupt someone's favorite program because there's a life-threatening incident that could potentially be happening so there's a number of different things that need to go into it and uh we just want to make sure that when that message is out there everybody understands this is a serious situation
0: is that from the county looking at it? And we kind of heard this from the county executive the other day when he said, you know, people didn't really take the storm seriously until Thompson and Wegmans closed. And I think that's, you know, kind of right because it takes something out of the ordinary for people to realize that a storm is out of the ordinary. Is it that pre-warning that the county has identified as, a you know, the major issue that came from this blizzard?
3: I think it's not so much the pre warning because because there there were so many people that did heed the warning um there were so many people that unfortunately were impacted by it, not because they didn't know about it, but simply because of the 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 uh number of things that happened the, the perfect storm for lack of better terminology the the perfect storm of uh, high wind taking out the power, extremely cold temperatures no heat no heat in the home uh, no ability to be able to uh, for hours on end to get to folks that, that you know, needed help. So I think, you know, there, there's a number of different ways you can look at that. You could predict that. Um, but we think if you add all of the factors into it, uh, we, we're going to have potentially gusts of 70-mile-an-hour winds. We're going to have extremely cold temperatures. We're going to have heavy snow. Uh, if you focus on that and you focus on the different things that triggered, uh, let's learn from our history. Um, and maybe be uh, a little bit more uh, proactive with regards to that that utilization of of the ultimate messaging system down the road.
1: We're talking live with Dan Nevereth Jr., Erie County Emergency Services Commissioner on WBEN Buffalo. Uh, Dan, the rating scale, one to five, would it be the county or the National Weather Service determining that level?
3: Well, so the, the rating system, I think that's a comparison. I think what the county exec wants is is a comparison to what happens when you have a hurricane, when you're in the areas that are traditionally impacted by that. So it would, this would be county driven. I think there's an opportunity for areas that that are uh, impacted more and more by these severe storms, especially with regards to the weather for to be to become somewhat of a national standard. But, uh, you know, the, the National Weather Service is a federal agency. Um, other agencies, um, you know, they, they have specific guidelines upon which they can, they can carve out and create things. So we, we hope to be able to work collaboratively with all of our partners, but this scale that's, that's being referenced, and utilized for us to be able to make some of our future decisions would be strictly a county scale.
0: That's 9:30 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.